You're listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. Midtown Church is a family loved and served by God, compelled to love and serve each other and Austin with God. Learn more at midtownaustin.org. Well, good morning, everyone. It's good to see you today. If I haven't had a chance to meet you yet, my name is Jake Box. I'm the lead pastor here at Midtown Church and so glad uh, that you're joining us. I uh, love that you're here. We uh, are actually wrapping up our series in the book of Jonah today. We've been taking a chapter every week, and today we come to chapter four. And I am really excited about this, uh, this time together because uh, this is a life-changing chapter in the Bible. And I know as a uh, pastor, I'm prone to make exaggerated statements sometimes about like the different passages. Like this one's always, always can, I can always say this one's my favorite. This, no, this one's really my favorite. But when I say that this is a life-changing chapter in the Bible, I, I'm not exaggerating. And the reason I can say that with confidence is because uh, what God reveals about his heart in this chapter has literally changed my life. So I'm speaking on a personal basis. This is one of my all-time uh, most significant, life-shaping, direction-setting chapters in all of Scripture. And I'm going to be honest with y'all. This week, I've been praying. <laughs> I've been praying that God would use it in your life in the same kind of way. And so I want to dive right into uh, chapter 4, but let me can I pull back the reins a little bit for myself and just say, like, let me try to catch you up a little bit and, or jog your memory. So if you've been with us, let me kind of refresh your, your memory where we've been so far. If you're first time you're joining us, then I'm going to catch you up with what's happened in the book of Jonah. So the book of Jonah begins, chapter 1, with God coming to Jonah, who's a prophet in Israel. And he says, I want you to go deliver a message of mine to, uh, the, to Nineveh. And... Um, Jonah has a problem with that. that. That mission does not set well for him, with him, because Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, and Syria's, the Assyrians were like the largest empire of that day and age. They were just to the north of Israel. They were a threat to the people of Israel, and in Jonah's eyes, they were the enemy, and he hated these people. And so the idea of going to them and delivering God's message to them, he was like, I'm not... <laughs> not going to do it. And so he heads the complete opposite direction, as Katie did, uh, shared it earlier. And Katie, you did an awesome job. That was really great. Thanks for sharing with us. But um, so Jonah heads to Tarshish, complete opposite direction. And the rest of chapter 1 and chapter 2 is God pursuing Jonah. Because as we saw in week 1 in this series, this is what God is up to. That Jonah, the reason he's running from God is because he has two issues. First issue is that Jonah does not trust God's heart for him. And the second issue is Jonah does not share God's heart for others. And so God begins to pursue Jonah. And he doesn't pursue Jonah in order to capture Jonah and condemn Jonah, even though he has run from God in disobedience. He pursues Jonah in a, <laughs> with the heart, with the love, with the grace to, to catch him and then to save him, to change his heart to where his heart would begin to trust God and it would begin to look like God's and how he cares for others. And so Jonah chapter 1, 2, God's pursuing Jonah for the purpose of catching him and saving him and therefore changing his heart. 
as we saw uh, in week two of this series, chapter two, uh, God uses some wild means, you know, the, the fish, kind of crazy part of the story, right, to uh, bring the truth home to Jonah's heart that God can be trusted, that God's heart for Jonah is good. Because Jonah, at some point in time, re- recognizes that what he deserved was God's condemnation as a result of running from God and disobeying God and saying, no, to, like, he deserved God to judge him, but instead, God didn't judge him. Instead, God saved him. And from the belly of the fish, as wild as that sounds, it dawns on Jonah that God has actually lifted his life up from the pit. And that where what he deserved was judgment, what he received instead was grace, that he was saved. He shouts, salvation belongs to the Lord. And it's like it dawns on Jonah. Man, God is gracious and God is good. And his steadfast love endures forever, even though I do not deserve it. You know what? If that's what God's like, then God can be trusted. And so the chapter ends with Jonah. Instead of deciding to keep running from God, he says, no, no, God, I'll I'll obey you now because I can trust your heart for me is good. And so he heads off to Nineveh. And in chapter 3, he gets to Nineveh and he delivers God's message to the Ninevites. And amazingly, they repent. (laughs) <laughs> they hear God's message through Jonah, and they say, we're, we've been violent, we've been wicked, we've been wrong, we've been evil, and we're going to turn from that. Perhaps God will have mercy on us. And so they fast and they repent, <laughs> and God forgives them. In fact, chapter, or, uh, last verse of chapter 3 ends with this these, uh, the sentence. It says, when God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented did not bring on them the destruction that he had threatened. And you would think that the next part of the, of the book would be all about how Jonah rejoiced. Or you would maybe even just think the book would end right there. Like, hey, everyone lives happily ever after. Jonah trusts God. He obeys God. The people of Assyria, the Ninevites... Repent, they turn from God. Jonah goes down as one of the greatest prophets in the history of all time. The guy that got brought revival to the Assyrians, to the Ninevites. And everyone goes back to Israel, he's high-fiving everybody. They're like, tell me about the fish again. And, you know, it's just like awesome. He's the legend. This is incredible. <laughs> but that's not what happens. Very next verse. Verse 1, chapter 4, says this. But it greatly displeased Jonah. And he became angry. But it, what is it here? God's grace on Nineveh is it. That's what's captured with the word it. But God's forgiveness of Nineveh, God's grace on Nineveh, that greatly displeased Jonah and he became angry. Um, This morning I'm reading from the NASB translation, New American Standard Translation, because it does a great job capturing the emphatic emotional language in the original text. And when it says it greatly displeased him, he became angry. Like it's making a point that like this is where Jonah's heart is. He is ticked off. And he is ticked off at God because God is gracious and because God forgave Nineveh. And so he prays a ridiculous prayer. Now, I have prayed many ridiculous prayers. So I'm not trying to judge Jonah's prayer, but it is ridiculous. Last, I mean, I, most of my ridiculous prayers 
they, they're all around sporting events, and, you know, and I, like, I'm, I've prayed some really dumb things, like, man, really, is this is the thing I really want God to do right now? Uh, um, yesterday, my boys had a, a basketball game. They were in this little community league. They won the championship. It was awesome. Uh, Brad Law, some of y'all know Brad. Brad's son, McCray, is on that same team, and so we're, like, in the stands going crazy. It's a close game, and, like, I'm thinking, God, let him win. God, let him win. I'm thinking, Really, this is the thing I'm, I'm praying for. But God did let him win, and it was awesome. And um, Jonah prays a ridiculous prayer here. Here's what he prays. Please, Lord, was this not what I said while I was still in my own country? Therefore, in order to forestall this, I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, Slow to anger and abundant and loving kindness, and one who relents concerning, concerning calamity. Therefore, now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for death is better to me than life. <laughs> okay, you, can't, you see what he's saying here? Jonah says, okay, God, <laughs> I'm so mad that you gave grace to my enemies. That's what I absolutely did not want you to do. That's why when you told me when I was in Israel to go to Nineveh, I went to Tarshish because I was trying to forestall this. I did not want you to have a chance to call the Ninevites to repentance because I knew that if they did repent, you would forgive them. How dare you, you gracious God. <laughs> you know, you're just to be, you know, loving, your loving kindness. I just can't handle it, right? It's just wild, right? He, he, uh, I love that. I don't, I don't know if any of y'all have ever done this. Um, uh, I'm sure you haven't. But like Jonah, he, he, the thing that he praises God for in Jonah chapter 2, God's steadfast loving kindness towards him, is the very thing that he complains to God about in chapter 4 when God's loving kindness and grace is applied to his enemies, to the Ninevites. And I'm sure you've never done that. God, I want you to be loving and kind and gracious and forgiving to me, but not to that person, right? Um, that's what Jonah does here. In addition, another thing just noteworthy about this prayer to point out is that um, what Jonah, how Jonah describes God here is completely accurate description of God throughout Scripture. In fact, Jonah is quoting the very words of God from Exodus 34 that if you remember, if you're familiar with the story, like uh, Moses is out Mount Sinai. He has to see God, and God says, like, hide in this area. I'll pass by. You can't look at me in the face, but as I go by, I'll say who I am, and he does. God goes by Moses and declares this, and this is what he says, that I'm a gracious God, a compassionate God, slow to anger, and abundant and loving kindness. And, and so Jonah he knows what God is like. He knows God. In a sense, you could say, Jonah has sound theology. But what this shows here, friends, is that you can know what God is like, and you can be completely unlike God. Like There is a big difference between knowing what God is like and actually sharing God's heart being like God and how he treats people, right? And yet, and the reason I wanted to point that out is because, man, we as, a, as the church have just, we, we can get that so messed up. And we can think that spiritual maturity is measured by our knowledge when you can actually have good theology and not be anything like God. 
just like Jonah is here. And so he says, God, if you're going to be a gracious God, if you're going to be forgiving, if you're going to have loving, abundant loving, steadfast loving kindness towards my enemies, if that's what you're going to be like, I would rather you just kill me. I don't want to live in a world where you're going to be gracious to my enemies. That's where Jonah's heart was. And so God asked him a question. He says this. And the Lord said, do you have good reason to be angry? Now, we're not given, you'll see in a second, we're not, the next verse, we're not given Jonah's reply. Later in the passage, you're going to get an idea of what his reply would be to that question. But here, I think it's still, it's very safe to say that Jonah's reply to God's question to him here would have been, yes, I have every right to be angry. I have every right to be angry because in Jonah's mind, all that he cared about, what really mattered to him was his people, the people of Israel, and his safety and their safety, and, their, and his security and their security, his comfort, their comfort. And in that, his mind, Nineveh and the Assyrians that they represented, they stood in the way of everything that really mattered to Jonah. And so that's why he would say, yeah, I have every reason to be angry with you because your grace is putting everything that matters to me at risk. Yeah, I have every right to be angry because in Jonah's eyes, the people of Nineveh did not matter. They just stood in the way of what really did matter. But not in God's eyes, friends. See, in God's eyes, the people of Nineveh were what mattered. See, the reason God had sent Jonah in the first place was because these people mattered to him. The reason that God had sent Nineveh a prophet with his message to give them an opportunity to repent is because these people were precious to God. They mattered to God. And friends, to make a an inference here, though there's many other passages in the scripture you can point to to back this statement up, but if the Ninevites, the wicked, violent enemies of God's people of Israel, the Ninevites, if they matter to God, then it's safe to say all people matter to God. All people matter to but the Ninevites did not matter to Jonah. So he's angry. So look what he does next, verse 5. Then Jonah went out from the city and sat east of it. And there he made a shelter for himself, and he sat under it in the shade until he could see what would happen in the city. Okay, Jonah, like this, I mean, this, like, this guy's heart is wild. Like, it's just, he hates these people. Because he's like, all right, God, you, you said you're going to forgive them. But you know what? I, I'm not going to give up hope that you're actually going to destroy them. And so I'm going to leave the city, and I'm not going to head back to Israel yet. I'm going to set up camp outside of the city, and I, where I could see into it, and just wait for them to trip up. And my hope is that they just trip up, and then you're like, all right, never mind. I'm going to destroy them, and I'm going to get a front row seat. I'm going to get to see you destroy them. That's what he's hoping for. Like, again, Jonah hates these people, hates them. And so God begins to pursue Jonah's heart. 
just like he did in chapter 2, God chases after Jonah here. But in chapter 2, God was chasing after Jonah in order to change Jonah's heart where he would begin to trust God's heart for him. And here we see God begin to pursue Jonah in order to change Jonah's heart to where he would begin to share God's heart for others. And in chapter 2, God uses a fish. It's a wild story, right? In order to be the thing that helps change Jonah's heart. And in chapter 4, he uses a plant to be the thing that helps speak to Jonah's heart. And the story gets a little weird. But here's what happens. Verse 6, so the Lord God appointed a plant, and it grew up over Jonah to be a shade over his head to deliver him from his discomfort. And Jonah was, emphatic language, extremely happy. Even put it in yellow. It's a happy color, right? Extremely happy about the plant. But God appointed a worm when dawn came the next day, and it attacked the plant, and it withered. Next verse. When the sun came up, God appointed a scorching east wind. And the sun beat down on Jonah's head so that he became faint and begged with all his soul to die, saying, death is better to me than life. Okay, now this is weird, right? What's the deal with this plant? What's, what's the point of the plant? Like God, you know, Jonah's waiting for God to destroy Nineveh. He's sitting out on the hill. He's hot. God says, okay, I'm going to have this point, this plant to grow up over him, give him shade. He loves the shade. He's extremely happy about the plant. Then God has the plant die. And now he's very angry once again. What's the point of that whole deal? Well, to put it simply, the plant was God's means to engage Jonah on an emotional level in order to speak to Jonah's heart. That's what God is doing through this plant. See, again, just the language here throughout this chapter is so emphatic around, the, around Jonah's emotions. And I, what I think the text is trying to get us to do is to really clue in with Jonah on a heart level, on an emotional level. And um, up to the plant, all that Jonah was feeling was anger, right? He's greatly displeased. He's, he's angry. He's mad. But then, here enters the plant. And God awakens Jonah to what really excites him. What Jonah loves, what Jonah really cares deeply about. That he was extremely happy about the plant. And I think that's the point. Listen to this. The plant was meant to cause Jonah to feel or to experience a depth of positive emotion that would clue him in to the enormity of emotion that God feels towards people. You see, I think what God is trying to do through this plant is to show Jonah that not, <laughs> that not just that people matter to God, but that people matter much to God. That not just people... People just don't matter to God, but they, they matter much to God. And that God is saying through this plant, God, Jonah, I just want to get you in tune with something that you love, something that you just gladdens you, that you feel so extremely happy about. And then I'm going to take that away. And how does that feel? That's how it would feel 
if I got rid of the people of Nineveh. See, I love these people. These people matter much to me. It's not just that they matter. They matter much to me. Guys, that's amazing. Like, here's, in a sense, what God is doing. Like, if you just personalize this, take a minute and just think, what is something that you just absolutely love? That when you are with this person or experiencing this thing, it just brings joy to your heart. It just gladdens you. It makes you extremely happy. It gets you going. Like, what is that thing or that person? Like, for some of y'all, it's your dog. Like, I see it all over Insta. Like, it's, it's, uh, it's all you take pictures of is your dog and all that stuff. And that's great. Like, like I'm, I'm not trying to set you up here, okay? I'm not going to be like, you should love Jesus more than that. I, I'm just, I want you to think about it. If it's your dog, think about your dog. If it's your kids, think about your kids. If it's just one of your kids, think about that kid, all right? <laughs> if it's your fiancé, if it's your girlfriend, your boyfriend, if it's just your spouse, if it's your car, if it's your house, if it's on going on vacation, if it's traveling, if it's a cause that you're incredibly passionate about, like think for a minute. Just think for a minute about that thing. Smile. Think about it. I love that thing. Friends, the, enorm- the, the, the emotion that you feel that that thing causes in you or that person causes in you is but a taste, a small taste, a sample of how much God loves people. How much people matter to God. People matter much to God. Jonah, and probably we could put ourselves in his shoes. We didn't get it. He didn't get it yet. But God's trying to speak to his heart. He's trying to reason with him on a heart level, on an emotional level, give him a taste of the incredible depth of emotion that God has for people through this plant. And then God asked Jonah a couple questions. First question he asks is this. Then God said to Jonah, do you have good reason to be angry about the plant? And he said, Jonah said, I have good reason to be angry, even to death. And then God says, well, let's talk about that. And so verse 10, then the Lord said, you had compassion on the plant for which you did not work in which you did not cause to grow, and which came up overnight and perished overnight. And here's what God is communicating to Jonah. He's trying to help Jonah understand. He says, Jonah, you really cared about this plant. In fact, he uses this word compassion. And in the Hebrew, the word compassion carries a ton of meaning. It really means to weep over, to grieve over, to feel brokenhearted about. He says to Jonah, like, you wept over the plant. Like, you loved this plant so much, it made you so happy that when it was taken from you, you wept, you shed tears, you were brokenhearted over the plant. But listen, why? 
Like you didn't create the plant. You didn't do any work to make this plant come about. And this plant was temporary. It's here today, gone tomorrow. Why did you love the plant so much? The only reason you loved the plant, Jonah, was because of what it could do for you. Like it provided you shade. Man, you love that shade. That's why you love this plant so much. That's why you grieved over it. That's why you had compassion for it. That's why you wept over it. And then God says, hmm. Did you not have compassion on the people of Nineveh? Verse 11, should I not have compassion on Nineveh, the great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the difference between their right and left hand as well as many animals? Now, a couple of things just to speak to here. Um, One is uh, most scholars believe that this reference to not knowing the left hand from the right, 120,000 don't know the left hand from, most, most scholars believe that he's referring to children. It's a reference to children. In addition, God calls out the animals here. You think, oh, well, that's, that was an interesting throw in God, but yeah, he cares about the animals. Now, now, why would God specifically call out these two groups of people from Nineveh? And I, I don't know for sure, but here's what I think. I think it's because God is so gracious. That God, in his grace, he stoops down to our level in a sense that he's trying to help us. He's trying to, he's trying to come down to us to get us to begin to see, to take a step towards him. And so instead of just saying, God, like, hey, there's, there's whatever, you know, 800,000 people in Nineveh. Why don't you care about them? He's, God starts off with, hey, I know you hate the people of Nineveh, but can you think about the children? And the animals? Like, at least, can you have a heart for the animals? Can you have a heart for the children? He's just trying to stir some compassion in Jonah, where Jonah would just begin to share God's heart for others. But here's the big point of what God is saying here. He's saying, hey, Jonah, you grieved over the plant. You didn't do anything to create it. And it was temporary. But if you would grieve over that just because of what it could do for you, then how much more should I grieve over? Again, uses the same word, the word compassion. Literally for God to apply that to himself is remarkable. That God is saying, I weep over people. I grieve over, I'm brokenhearted over Nineveh of all people. Nineveh. I grieve over them, precious to me. I I shed tears in a sense. Like, I. Here's why. Because God made the people of Nineveh. This is Jonah, he, he grieved over the plant. He didn't do anything to bring it about. But God, God's the one who brought every single individual person about in Nineveh. The. Jonah didn't do anything to work to make the plant grow. Every single person in Nineveh was God's idea. He thought them up. He knit them together in their mother's womb. They were the work of his hands. Jonah grieved over the plant. It's here today, gone tomorrow. But the people of Nineveh were not temporary beings, just like all people are not 
temporary beings. And God says, if you would have compassion, if you would cry over the, the plant, how much more is it right for me to grieve over, to cry over, to weep over the people of Nineveh? Because, see, the people of Nineveh matter much to God because they were all made by God. And you can take that principle and you can apply that to everyone. You could say that all people matter much to God because we are all made by God. That every one of you matters deeply to God. That God would have compassion on you. That he would rejoice over you. That you would be the one who makes God exceedingly glad. You're precious to him. All people are. Even the Ninevites. That all people matter much to God because they were all made by God. God says, they're mine. I created them. So should I not have compassion on them? Sometimes um, my daughter Della, she'll, uh, <laughs> she'll run up to me. She's just, made, she's just made a craft or drawn a picture, right? And uh, she's beaming, right? Smile ear to ear. Dad, look at this. Look what I made. Look what I made. And she hands it to me, and she, she wants me to love it like she loves it. And I look at this thing, and I do. I love it like she loves it. I love it because she loves it. And because of who Della is and the value that she puts on it, I put value on it. And friends, God is saying to Jonah, and he's saying to us, Look, people matter much to me. I made them. And because they matter much to me, I want them to matter much to you. Will you share my heart for others? Will they matter to you like they matter to me? It's really interesting how the book of Jonah ends. It's left completely unresolved. Like verse 11 that's the last verse in the book. There's no other. There's like, and then Jonah said, okay, God, I love these people. Now, there's nothing. It's just, it ends with a question. And that question, I think, is meant to, to cause us to ask a question. I think it's meant to ask us this question. If all people matter much to God, will they matter much to us? See, from a literary perspective, we do not know what happens to Jonah. Now, many people have reasons, scholars have reason, and I, I think I'm in this camp that uh, Jonah must have gotten it. Again, I take the book of Jonah literally. I, we talked about that two weeks ago. But, uh, it, and if it is a literary story, a liter, if it really happened, <laughs> um, then I think Jonah must have been the one who relayed this. Like he must have actually either wrote it down or told someone else who wrote it down. And that the reason he would have done that was so that we could all see what God is like, this God who pursues. And that we could learn what God had taught Jonah, that all of us could learn this about him. And so if he did that and he was this vulnerable about how messed up he was, then I think he got it. I think he probably got it. But we don't actually know that for sure. Again, from a literary perspective, it's left completely unresolved. And again, I, the, the reason is because... The question we're left asking is, did Jonah ever get it? Did his heart ever change? 
And then as that question lingers in your mind, it doesn't take much to just turn it on yourself and say, I wonder if I get it. Do people matter to me like they matter to God? If all people matter much to God, do people matter much to me? Um, friends, if, if, my, uh, if, if one of my kids were ever to go missing, I would, have a, I would have a new full-time job. I would spend every minute of the day and every sleepless night looking for them. And I would call every single person I had ever met. <laughs> like I don't even, wouldn't have to know people very well before I'd call them and I would ask them to help me look for my missing child. And I would not stop looking for them until they were home safe and sound. Friends, this world, and to get specific, our city is filled with the missing children of God. And it's hurt breaks for them, and he weeps. He's compassionate. He weeps over them. And he longs for them to come back home to him. And he has asked his body, the church, to join him in pursuing them and inviting them to come home to him. And this God who pursues this compassionate God it will not stop. He's after people, inviting them to come back home because he is a father who loves people. They matter much to him. He created them. He thought of them. Every one of them was his idea, and he wants them to come home to him. As I said at the beginning of this message, that this chapter, it changed my life. It's this truth that changed my life. That the, we really matter that much to God. It's wild. Why would we matter that much to God? But we do. And he wants us, those who recognize how much he loves us and that begin to trust him and his heart for us, to then join him in reflecting his heart for others and pursuing people with him. I guess that's why Chris and I started this church. We started a Midtown Church because we knew, and Justin talked about this last week, 76% of the people in central Austin do not believe that Jesus is their Savior. The more than three out of four, every four, I mean, more than three out of every four people you see do not believe that Jesus is their Savior. And only 4% of the people in central Austin are connected to a church. And so they're not coming here and, and hearing this. So we have to go with God, pursuing them, loving them, going to them to tell them about this God that loves them so much that he died for them that they could be brought into his family, that they could come back home. And friends, just to be real clear here, one of the things that... I know many of y'all are all in on that, but just to say it again and to invite everyone here, 
Like, will you join God in that? Will you join him in pursuing people and inviting them to come back home? To go looking with God for his missing children that matter much to him. And in love and in grace and with God's compassion to tell them about the God who loves them so much that he would die for them. People matter much to God. Do they matter much to you? There's a lot of ways you can reflect God's heart for people. I don't by any means want to just narrow it down to a couple of things, but I think there are a few things that would be on top of the list. One of those things is this. Are you praying for people by name? Do you have people by name that you're praying for regularly? You're praying for their marriage. You're praying for their academics. You're praying for their emotional health. You're like literally praying for them. Like as a person, you really care for them. And are you praying that they trust in Jesus? Are you praying that they would know the God that loves them this much? Are you doing that? Did you do, like, is there anyone that you prayed for last week? If people matter much to you, I think we'll pray for them. In addition, I think you're going to spend time with those people. You're going to engage them. You're going to listen to them. You're going to eat with them. You're going to look for ways to serve them. And then, guys, I think if people really matter much to you and you know how much they matter to God, you're going to tell them about the impact God's had on your life. Like Katie did earlier today, you're going you're to talk about that. And you're going you're gonna to tell them about the God who loves them so much that he died for them. You're going to share the gospel, the good news of this God who loves them. Have you done that? Are you doing that? Do people matter much to you? Do they matter much to God? He wants them to matter much to us. We're going to end this morning by taking communion, end the message by taking communion. And as we do, I have uh, just one more thing I want to point out to you. You see, oh, I always found it interesting that three times in this chapter, Jonah basically says, I am so upset I could just die. Did you catch that? I mean, it's like over and over again. It's like, I just want to die. Just kill me now. I want to die. Like in regards to the plant, he says, like, I would rather die than be without it. If I can't have the plan, I just, I just, I'd rather die than be without it. But Jonah's compassion for the plant, it doesn't actually lead him to die. But God's compassion for people does. For in Jesus, what we see is God is so grieved and he's so moved over the lostness of his wayward children that he willingly dies for them. He willingly dies for us. So that we could be adopted into his family. So that as John 1.12 says, that those who receive him, that those who believe in his name, he gives the right for them to become the children of God. As how much do people matter to God? They matter so much that he would willingly die, willingly have his body broken and his blood poured out on the cross so that we could be forgiven for running from him and we could be reconciled to him forever. So as we take communion this morning, 
I want to invite you to experience God's heart for you in this. Guys, you matter much to God. You matter. What we're remembering here, Jesus dying for your sins, dying for you, his body broken, blood spilled. You matter this much to God. And so do your neighbors and your roommates and your friends and your family members. And the people of dying, dying of starvation all around the world or from a virus or from being put out of their homeland and they're living as refugees. All people, all people matter much to God. And so in light of how much we matter to him and what he's done for us and then what his heart for others and how God means to us that we would then reflect his heart for others in light of all of that. Let's join him in pursuing people here while he has you here with an openness to go wherever else he sends you to join him in pursuing people that they would be reconciled to this God who loves them this much. As a church, we have a vision to see the day when every man, woman, and child hears the gospel from someone who loves them beginning here in Austin. Every man, woman, and child because people matter much to God. Every one of them. As you take communion, remember that you're one of them. You matter much. And then may God's heart move you to join him in taking that message to others. Let's pray. Father, first of all, I pray and just confess to you that my heart does not reflect yours often. And that I'd be so bold as to say as a church that we often do not reflect your heart. The people do not matter as much to us as they matter to you. And God, we just repent of that now and we ask that you would change our hearts like you did, Jonas. And that people would matter to us like they matter to you. And that we would join you in pursuing your lost children and inviting them to come back home to be reconciled to you through believing in Christ that they would become the children of God. I thank you that we matter so much to you that Jesus died on our behalf. Lord, as we remember that, as we take communion now, you'll speak to our hearts. Show us how much we matter to you and then move us to love others like you've loved us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Midtown Church Sermon Podcast. We hope this ministry has blessed you. If you would like to support this ministry, you can donate at midtownaustin.org.